0: I'm Archbishop Alan Vigneron of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and this is the Eyes on Jesus podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast with Archbishop Vigneron. I'm your host, Mike Chamberlain.
2: And I am your host, Mary Wilkerson.
1: We are excited to release new episodes once a month, so please make sure to subscribe and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Archbishop, welcome and thank you once again for joining us. It's great to have you on the show. Good to
0: be with you, Mike and Mary. Wonderful to be back.
1: Yes, Archbishop, how was your last month? I know, obviously, it's been it's been a crazy time in our history, a crazy time in just uh, in general. Um, obviously, with the pandemic, with uh, masses resuming again, there's just I'm sure you've been extremely busy. How how have you been? I've been
0: fine, thank you. Uh, I have to say, uh, uh, it is. Uh, Uh, I think for all of us, a really uh, trying time to deal with uh, the uh, consequences of the pandemic. But uh, I try to remember Father Solanus' admonition to thank God ahead of time. So I'm Mm -hmm. thanking him for all the good he's going to bring out of all of this.
1: That's great. I know one of the things we can be thankful for is uh, obviously the ordination of some new priests, but I know that they're happening in a kind of a unique way uh, because of the pandemic. Do you want to speak to that a little bit, Archbishop?
0: Sure. Uh, Not only uh, the uh, men who have finished seminary and are being ordained to the priesthood, but the men who have finished their third year of theology and have been ordained deacons, uh, these are taking place individually at Blessed Sacrament Cathedral, as a way to observe the social distancing uh, policies that we put in place. And uh, actually, one of the seminarians has started to call them Wojtyła ordinations because <laughs> uh, oh. he thinks they put us all in mind of the way uh, young uh, Carol Wojtyła had to be ordained on the QT in Krakow. So it's a wonderful uh, experience uh, very different i these events are really significant for the life of the diocese and uh, it does uh, it it's a sadness that we can't have uh, the solemn celebrations that help bind us up but we're able to live stream the ordinations and that's one uh, one way to uh, try and get more people involved. But the most important thing is that it's not about this particular event, but it's the mission. As I told the fellows, mm. the mission goes on and we can't wait for some ideal time to send them on the mission.
2: Were they were they able to have their families there, these men that were being ordained?
0: Yes, uh, okay. especially when we s- scheduled the ordinations, uh, we thought perhaps we would still be uh, on the norm of keeping only ten people in the mm-hmm. cathedral, but mm-hmm. uh now with uh, uh, the twenty five percent norm that we're following, yeah, yeah. Their, their families are there.
2: that's great and And were the deacons and priests able to kind of, even with some of the strangeness, still pretty sacred days for them, I'm assuming, right?
0: Oh, ways, yeah. certainly. Yeah. I think uh, they'll remember this particular way uh, the rest of their lives. Yes. <laughs> I think <laughs> That's particularly about, yeah. I remind them that it's uh, it's a way to be committed to the mission.
2: Oh, I love that. I love that. And so many of these moments have been shifted. But I like what you just said because I keep trying to—we're never going to forget this. It's such a point in history. It's a dark point in a lot of ways. But what a significant moment for us all, right?
0: Exactly. Uh We believe, we know from the resurrection of Jesus that he's the Lord of history. And uh, I don't know how he's going to make all of this fit into his plan, but if you and I today respond as well as we can and take advantage of uh, uh, the graces he offers, uh, we're going to be that much closer to the kingdom.
1: Mm -hmm. Amen. You know, as Archbishop, speaking of, uh, of adequate responses to these days and these times, I know that we've been experiencing in a particular way some heavy days here in Detroit and our nation, obviously with the growing protests and unrest in response to the horrific death of George Floyd. I know that you obviously had, um, you know, some specific personal messages to the black Catholic community acknowledging this uh, and even just generally to our lay faithful about um, the injustice in our society and um the wound that has been there for years and years uh, left by racism and is still very much felt to this day uh, would you mind speaking a little bit to that archbishop and kind of your as you experienced and saw this on the news yourself what what kind of was going through your mind as a chief shepherd of Detroit
0: well certainly Mike uh, obviously to acknowledge the the great hurt that is uh, being spoken about, being presented to us, the hurt to to Mr. Floyd's family, the hurt to his community, the hurt that the African-American community feels uh, very uh, grievously. And uh, as I said in my message to our community, uh, when one member suffers, we all suffer. That's eminently true in the mystical body uh, the bonds we hold in the grace of Christ but it's true in the uh, the body politic Uh, when one is uh, treated unjustly it's an offense against us all and we need to recognize that evil we need to recommit ourselves to overcome that evil Uh, we need humbly to recognize that it's woven very much into the fabric of our history we have the great uh, shame of having been a, a nation in which slavery was legitimate and uh, we need to repent from that and and move uh, and move to heal uh, the uh, the wounds that still remain because of it
1: uh-huh.
2: When you choose Archbishop ignorant to kind of speak into a situation like this and kind of take that leadership moment to let people know that you're with them in solidarity and praying for them, um, is that a process that you want to do it right away and you want to speak to everybody? Is it hard for you to speak into it? What's that like to to kind of address your flock in such a moment of unrest?
0: Mary, I, I do want to be with people and offer my uh, priestly support, my Mm -hmm. uh, sympathy, and uh, the word of uh, Christ that I can bring. I try to respond as soon as I can, but Mm -hmm. at the same time to be thoughtful about it so that uh, it isn't uh, simply Alan Vigneron talking, Mm -hmm. but uh, I exercise uh, the uh, mission given to me by my ordination and call to uh, present the, the mind and heart of Jesus.
2: Mm. I always say I, um, I'm quite present on social media and I saw so many people share your words as a, a, a moment to try to extend some type of healing in this difficult time and to let people know, you know that the Catholic Church is with them. A question that I have for you. But Mary, let me just yeah, say something Please. about
0: that. I, I yeah. think uh, obviously to express solidarity, but I hope also that this is an opportunity for all of us uh, members of the Catholic Church to be recommitted in all the ways we're involved in uh, our society and in political life to um, uh, to work zealously to mm. uproot prejudice and racism from our midst.
2: That's what I was just going to ask, is what are some things that we can actually be doing um, as people of faith, do you think? And, and like you just said, right, working zealously, I think is a profound phrase towards justice, right?
0: Exactly. And uh, certainly all of the, the uh, sort of more mat- uh, uh, spirit, what some people might call the spiritual side of it, uh, to pray, uh, to, but also that should lead us to repent, to examine our own consciences, and uh, there is in each of us a tendency to not uh, stand with the other, the one who's different from ourselves, to acknowledge what that is in me. I, ne- I need to do that, and then to take uh, action, to act against it, and to uh, in this. Case particularly, uh, to ask myself, what's God inviting me to do to help eradicate racism from our community?
2: Well, thank you for sharing those thoughts with us. You know, in addition to all these things happening in our society, we've had a super busy month in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Just this past weekend, you announced um, something really exciting and ambitious for the future of the Archdiocese, which is family of parishes, and we're going to get into that, families of parishes. But first, we wanted to talk about the fact that parishes are resuming public masses. Uh, That started May 19th. And uh, a lot of parishes followed suit by Pentecost. So by now, most parishes, if not all parishes, should be um, practicing public mass again. Can you share how you've been monitoring the pandemic in recent weeks? What led to this decision to gradually open? The last time we spoke, we didn't know when it was going to be. How's that process been?
0: Let's uh, start with the question about uh, how we got to to our decision. It was really by consulting experts, people who... uh, seem to understand uh, where we are right now with the the pandemic, Uh, uh, people who understand uh, epidemiology, uh, looking at uh, other elements uh, in uh, our society uh, that uh, have, have moved toward opening up and applying those norms prudently to ourselves. And as I've said before, we've got a work group and uh, they've looked at all of this, they made a recommendation and uh, so we thought this was the right time to uh, do this open opening, uh, observing uh, so norms for social distance and certain protocols to help ensure everybody's safety. Um, how do we how do we keep on track of, or in, with, in touch with what's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that really is, uh, I depend on the auxiliary bishops to get the feedback from the parish priests we talk about it uh, every week I think it's going fairly well I uh, admire very much the uh, zeal and the creativity of the priests as they've tried to adapt the the protocols to the particular circumstances of their parish It's not, from what I pick up, it's not lots of people flocking back. Um, Other bishops and I, we've spoken about it. We think this is going to be pretty typical. It's going to be a slow startup. Uh, People still uh, have questions about their safety. And uh, we need to be patient in moving forward.
1: Yeah, I know, despite obviously being open again, obviously the faithful are still dispensed from the Sunday obligation, at least until September 6th. I know, um, obviously, I'm sure some of that is for concern of some people's health, uh, safety and their own health, and obviously some of their own fears and concerns. Can you speak a little bit to, that, to why you chose to um, to keep that, Archbishop?
0: Well, Mike, it, uh, up and down, uh, while we have norms and protocols uh situations vary so much from person to person from parish to parish people uh, people need to be able to make uh, good informed judgments this is not uh, a relativism about conscience but uh-huh. people's particular circumstances vary and this gives them the uh, the freedom uh, to make those best judgments as they can
2: i like that you were use the word freedom i happen to be somebody that can tend to be quite scrupulous, and so um, knowing that the obligation is lifted to September 6th did give a little bit more freedom for us to discern within our family how we were going to do that with young children, you know, so I know I appreciated that piece, um, well, and at the same, go ahead. I was just
0: going to say, Mary, yeah, I mean, here next to the cathedral, I'm not going to be able to figure all of that out, and yes. it might be, you know, what the baby is doing on a certain day, and And I have confidence that you appreciate the gravity of the ordinary obligation and you'll you'll figure this out.
2: Right, right. And I saw that you are still going to continue to uh, live stream masses at nine o'clock each Sunday. Was that a conscious decision that you made knowing that, you know, some some people wouldn't yet feel safe returning to public gatherings?
0: Yes, uh, it provides one more way for people to be connected to the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Uh, we've gotten a lot of very positive feedback about the live streaming, and so uh, we've decided. I've decided to continue. <clears throat> I've moved it from uh, uh, noon to uh, nine o'clock because uh, the parish community. Is going is now uh, going back to meeting regularly at eleven o'clock in the morning.
2: So, when you are doing the live stream mass at nine o'clock, celebrating the live stream mass, are there people in the pews for you?
0: There have been a few people. Uh, okay. We opened the doors to the cathedral, and I, I've had some people. There uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> they're few enough that it's not even to worry about social distancing. But sure.
2: Yeah. I had a friend who said uh, that's a priest, and I asked him how he's doing. You know, resuming masses, and he said it just feels so good to be with, uh, with the community again. You know, um, he's been celebrating his masses through live streams and things like that, but it it feels good to him to have the flock back with him. So that's good.
0: It does. Uh, mm-hmm. I had the uh, the first priesthood ordination last night, and mm-hmm. uh, of course it was live streamed, but the. There were about 150 people in the cathedral, the young man's family and friends. And it was great to have uh, people I could look at when I say, sure. peace be with you, <laughs> yes. instead of just staring into the camera.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I think um, a lot of hope is is lined up for us this summer as we move back to resuming some of what we know in our norms, but changed. So that's good.
1: Well, as you just said, Mary, I think there's some hope, and I think today we want to overall speak about a hopeful topic, which is um, this announcement, which, um, Archbishop, you made on uh, Pentecost specifically about families of parishes as a new direction in which our archdiocese is going to be moving and going. Um, I know it's been uh, a big piece of prayer, a big piece of um, discernment that's been taking time over years, uh, given before the Synod, through the Synod, after the Synod, uh, this whole um, various recommendations and prayer and considerations have been developed to overall help us to be unleashed and help us to be on mission. And this is just another piece of that. So I know, um, Archbishop, you had this, uh, obviously, this big announcement. There was a video and also a letter released, and people can, of course, go and see that. Um, but would you mind just telling us your, yourself, just here on this podcast, you know, um, what is a uh, Family of Parishes and how is that plan being developed?
0: Mike, if I could uh, just give a little bit of a, a background, and then I'll take up that question. Yeah, please. Um, you know, uh, we had uh, set ourselves out on uh, implementing Synod 16 about a year ago through Sent on Mission, and we had put the parishes into six waves, uh, each wave of parish uh, parishes in each wave, being engaged in uh, strategic missionary planning. And then the pandemic occurred. And uh, that approach to implementing the Synod, it became clear, wasn't gonna work anymore. Uh, The uh, social dynamics, the changes that certainly we saw on the horizon have accelerated exponentially. And so we couldn't go forward with that plan. And so, what we are going to go forward with is uh, families of parishes. And it's really a result of uh, a discernment about what's the Synod calling, what are, what's the Holy Spirit calling us to do post pandemic in order to implement the Synod. Mm-hmm. So, families of parishes are parishes uh, being grouped together, uh, six as the smallest, probably excuse me uh, three as the smallest probably six as the largest and uh, those families will share the priests who serve the parishes and uh, work together put their resources together in order to plan how to implement the synod how to unleash the gospel how to be on mission and uh, how how to go forward How's the plan being developed? I've got uh, three uh, work groups right now engaged in thinking through how to implement this basic direction. Uh, One, to talk about how the family will uh, be organized and and led, and then uh, another group uh, to look at uh, how uh, the family of parishes uh, engages in the mission, and then another group to uh, give uh, 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 outline how uh, the resources uh, for the family of parishes will be organized in order to support the mission.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So a lot of us in the Archdiocese of Detroit have been through some some changing and some shifting uh, historically through the diocese with the Together in Faith initiative and different things like that where parishes were called to work together to cluster, to merge. So um, some of this language seems familiar, but yet it's different. Can you tell us how this would be different than a clustering or a merger?
0: Sure, Mary. Uh, a merger basically means that... Uh, you take two parishes or sometimes three and they take on a whole new identity as one single parish Mm -hmm. that's not what this is about a cluster means that you take two parishes each retains its own identity but shares one pastor Mm -hmm. that's not what this is about this is about families of parishes retaining their identity and sharing the clergy who are assigned to those parishes and sharing their resources for the sake of mission.
2: Mm-hmm. It's The funny parishes unleash,
0: in yeah. the family retain their own identity.
2: Okay. But then work together... To share resources and share a pastor? Am I hearing that that they will be Well, share the,
0: the clergy. It might be okay. more than in, say, if we have a family of six uh, parishes, I don't know right. how many priests will be assigned to the parishes sure. in that family. Okay, but huh. uh, the the priests will work as a team to care for uh, the parishes in the family.
2: Hmm. And do you see that um, you talked in Unleash the Gospel a little bit about? different habits, good habits that we can cultivate as the faithful. And you talked about like a spirit of cooperation and confidence in God and an attitude of gratitude. Are those going to be things that need to be kind of key as we move through this process together?
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, We need to be docile to the Holy Spirit because Mm. uh, once the parishes are established, uh, they're going to have to uh, listen to the Holy Spirit to say, What's God inviting our family of parishes to do in order mm. to unleash the gospel? How do we, How can we be bold? This is certainly a, a big innovation for the way we live our lives as members of parishes. And certainly, we're going to have to cooperate. And above all, we have confidence in God that we're responding to the direction he's taking us and that he, he'll bring great good out of this.
1: Archbishop, I know as I I understand it from what you had said, um, basically a lot of this assessment, the initial assessment of which parishes would kind of become a family is going to be done between now and uh, Advent uh, of this upcoming year, 2020. Is that correct?
0: Yes, uh, and uh, I've got uh, uh, groups of uh, clergy and laity looking at that, uh, suggesting various possibilities, and uh, we'll review it. Uh, as uh, they make their proposal of what families seem to make sense. Uh, This kind of uh, collaboration that we're looking for, uh, teams of of clergy and uh, uh, lay leaders, uh, what will be the most effective way to uh, group a a set of uh, parishes into a family? And uh, we expect maybe somewhere between 60 and 80 families uh, to uh, to be uh, uh, established
1: very good i know you said that the um the pandemic has kind of accelerated some planning and accelerated some of the thoughts and all of this is is that accelerant been somewhat of the kind of the pre-shortages and tied also to financial concerns given the pandemic and everything coming up
0: exactly uh Mm. our resources are are, uh, appreciably decreased uh, Mm. because of what we've been through i mean we can expect uh, whatever kind of uh, economic recovery to take place is uh, going to be over a a significant period of time which means uh, our people are going to have fewer resources to uh, to contribute to the mission and uh, we have recognize that we have fewer priests we don't uh, have enough priests to have a pastor for every parish Mm -hmm. and uh, that's accelerating because a number of our priests are uh, in the vulnerable category and Mm -hmm. aren't uh, uh, available to lead our parishes as they might have prior to uh, the pandemic
2: do you have you been able to talk to priests are they excited about this is it is it stretching everybody a little bit and and people are people nervous about it are they excited what's the general feeling um i know you just announced it so you might not have a good pulse on that yet but um how are people well, receiving it
0: it's a yes to all those uh, <laughs> questions you put mary <laughs> yeah. and a lot of it depends on uh, people's temperament a, a mm-hmm. lot of priests are excited about it they're eager sure. to go, move forward uh some are, are worried because mm-hmm. it is a big change, mm-hmm. and they want to uh, uh, just... It's the unknown that we're, mm-hmm. we're moving into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think uh, most priests uh, have pledged to me that they want to cooperate and they want to make this work. And I think they're glad that we're taking a step uh, forward and uh, we're being proactive and not simply uh, dealing with our troubles uh, uh, one, one issue at a time.
2: Sure. There's always that discussion, um, you know, moving from maintenance to mission. And I think we've, uh, under your leadership and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, really been open to what our mission is as a diocese. And I love that you explain this as a fruit of the synod, this is where it's led, even if it was a pivot off of sent on mission. Can you speak a little bit about what you see, and just remind us what the mission is, what we're going for as an archdiocese?
0: To be a a total missionary church, which means not only re-embracing Christ, but re-embracing him so that we can share him with our neighbors and everybody else in Southeast Michigan. We're dealing, we we talk about doing this with fewer resources, but by God's providence, that's what he's given us. But the the mission is the same that he's given us, to make disciples of all nations. And so uh, we want to uh, help people encounter Christ, to grow in discipleship, and then themselves to become uh, evangelists alongside of us.
1: I know so many of our listeners are probably, you know, thinking as you've made this announcement and as they're listening now, you know, what about my parish? You know, I love my parish. I love the um, the general, I love my pastor. You know, I love the overall feel and flavor of my parish. And as you know, Archbishop, each parish kind of has its own, like, uh nature and entity as you kind of spoke earlier about when so you were, culture yeah yeah it's yeah, culture, yeah that's, what I was yeah, say, that's yeah. the that's a better word thank you um <laughs> so um <laughs> i i uh i know a lot of people are probably thinking like hey i love my parish culture and i don't want to see that change uh i don't want to see that uh or 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 be modified at all so i don't know if you can tell us a little bit about um i don't know just your thoughts on that like as these families come together um how do you how do you suspect or hope that this will go? And and have you gleaned anything from other dioceses or anywhere else that this has already kind of been done?
0: The best reports uh, I th- that I've seen have come to us from our neighbor over in Ontario, the London Diocese, mm-hmm. and uh, it's working generally pretty well. Uh, depends a lot on the leadership of the priest and the leadership team in the uh, in the family, but. Uh, I, I am glad that people uh, are uh, feel blessed by the culture of their parish, but I would uh, invite them to be willing to change a bit, not to destroy mm-hmm. or obliterate that culture, but to think about how the blessing that that culture is, let's pick a name, St. Michael Parish, that the blessing that St Michael parish's culture is is something that they can share with other members in the family so that all the all the families in the parish all the parishes in the family uh, can be uh, uh, more effectively on mission it's a little bit like talking about uh, evangelizing husband and wife families uh, parents and kids families uh, great that they have uh, blessings in the household, but there is a way that uh, the Lord invites them to open up that circle to include other people, other people who perhaps don't have as happy a family, but who by being brought into the circle uh, can uh, can be blessed by that, by opening that circle out. I think... Uh, Maybe the example we could think about is the upper room and how on the Saturday before Pentecost, uh, the, the Twelve, Our Lady, the other disciples, uh, they had certainly the, the joy and comfort of being in one another's uh, company. Yes. But on Pentecost morning, uh, the, it wasn't that that family was broken up. It was that that family was opened out.
2: I know that a lot of people feel um, maybe nervous about what this process is going to look like. There's All of us are inclined to a little bit of territorialism. So I love that you talk about maybe even the comfort of the day before Pentecost that the uh, apostles and the Blessed Mother had. And then this call to go out to make so much more, right? The hope of that. How do we move, though, from being a little scared or worried or you know, feeling territorial to being excited. What are some tips that you would give us as the faithful to kind of get into the mode of uh, the followers of Christ on Pentecost?
0: One uh, place to start, I think, is uh, to do a, a, what uh, is sometimes called a review of life, and to just, uh, maybe with a piece of paper and, and a pen, sit down and say, what are the five significant situations in my day, my month, uh, where I can go out of myself and uh, help people encounter Christ? Mm. And to to look at that and then to do a discernment and to honestly uh, assess where I'm more comfortable, where I'm less comfortable, and then to bring that to prayer and to see uh, where am uh, where do i feel called to go beyond my comfort zone and uh, where is where is jesus asking me to go so that somebody who isn't one of his own right now will become his own because that's what he wants he he wants to make them happy. He wants to save them. He wants to give them life. And uh, it'll take some sacrifice on my part to bring that about, but uh, uh, it's worth it in order to make Jesus happy.
1: What I really like about... uh well, I don't know. I'm I'm still obviously uh, what I really like about this, though, and it'll be interesting to see. I know there's going to be a lot of growing pains as you as you've mentioned, and I know myself as a as a parish staff member, I know that there's going to be a lot of just work and development. But I I do like that it makes us or forces us to lean again into the Holy Spirit and and a docility to the Holy Spirit. You know, I hear a lot of times people say things like, you know, I didn't sign up for this or or whatever. And, um, that might be true, but I always like to think back to like St. Peter and others It's like, they didn't sign up or they didn't know what they were signing up for, you know, (laughs) and you are kind of signing up to be docile to the Holy Spirit and to God. And that takes, uh, a big amount of courage, uh, but it's beautiful what God can do with that. You know, um, at least that's my my I, uh, reflection a little bit.
0: I think of two things in the Acts of the Apostles to help me understand uh, the way God continues to work. The first was Saint Paul had a plan uh, to uh, in his second missionary journey to continue uh, in a circuit in uh, Asia Minor, what's now Turkey. And uh, twice, uh, St. Luke says, that he was prevented from going forward. Mm. So he wound up going to a seaport on the northwest corner of Asia Minor to Troas. And at night he had uh, a dream in which somebody across the way in Europe, in Macedonia, uh, called for Paul to come and help him. And so he went into a new continent that he hadn't expected to uh, move into. And the other is uh, St. Paul's uh, uh, being shipwrecked on Malta on his way to Rome. He didn't expect to stop in Malta, but the Mm. ship uh, was wrecked. He wound up there uh, over the winter and uh, established, planted a church that continues to be vibrant even to this very day.
2: I'm so glad you brought those two things up because I do think the reality of the coronavirus and the pandemic has shifted us kind of into the unknown in some ways, and it can feel so scary, or we can be open to God moving big in it. And I think you, uh, we've had a message as the Archdiocese of Detroit that God will move boldly if if we ask him to, and just trusting that he will. And this is probably going to be a big step towards that, right?
0: I wouldn't use the word probably. Uh, <laughs> Thank <laughs> I, you. I don't see Archbishop. the need to qualify. <laughs> I it like is, that. it's yeah. a huge It's a huge step. Yeah. And uh, if we were in any other part of the country, uh, we'd, we'd still have to face the uh, aftermath mm-hmm. of the pandemic. Uh, I, my temptation, if I hadn't been through the synod, would be to think how I could put some more patches on the patches on the patches right, to right. hold this thing together Yes, uh, in the aftermath of the pandemic. right? And the Synod is, is the Holy Spirit inviting me as the principal pastor to uh-huh. invite everybody to say, uh, the way we respond to this has to be about uh, going forward on the mission and not simply uh, maintenance.
2: How do you see this change? I'm gonna ask you a couple different questions, impacting pastors and then um, parishioners, staff members, and finally schools. How are schools gonna play into this? I know those are four different groupings, but have you thought a a little bit about how this is gonna affect those four groupings of people, so pastors and parishioners, staff workers. Well, and, it,
0: and I would say not just pastors, but all the priests. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They yeah, are yeah. going to have to uh, uh, find new ways to work uh, mm. as a team mm-hmm. and to identify the particular. I mean, all of us parish priests are generalists, mm. but we do have different sets of skills that we can bring. And so, if you have, say, you have a. a a family of four parishes with six priests on mm-hmm. the team—they're going to be able to think about who's got the most uh, talent to uh, as the leader, who's the who's got the best talent as a catechist, mm. who's really uh, the very best in dealing with young people, young adults, right. Right. and uh, not that the others don't have any. Uh, connection to to folks uh, but uh, how can we be a team supporting one another mm-hmm. uh, and I'd say that's very much the how it's going to be for their lay uh, co-workers as well in um, maybe one person in that family is really the very best at catechesis and uh, maybe another one is the very best at uh, um, Again, let's talk about uh, youth ministry, young adults, mm-hmm. th- that sort of thing. Um, and then parishioners, I think it'd be a similar sort of discernment. And to be connected with one another throughout the families, to feel free to uh, be at one another's table and to be, be involved with one another, mutual projects that the whole family undertakes. And then you said about schools. Mm-hmm. Um, the process, we, we expect there will be two waves of, of families. Uh, this, all the identities we hope to have settled uh, just before Christmas, uh, Advent 2020, uh, the first wave will be the wave of 2021, mm-hmm. uh, January to June, uh, well, through June, would be a time of preparing and planning Uh, and then uh, July to December would be uh, launching, getting into taking up that plan so that the families will engage in strategic missionary planning Mm -hmm. and just as it was in sent on mission so it will be in this process, schools and the the opportunity for uh, our communities to take up a new uh, Catholic education, Catholic schools as part of our missionary endeavor, that will continue to be uh, something we're engaged in. Great. So every, every family of parishes will have to include Catholic schools, Catholic education as part of what they're uh, working on in their plan.
2: Oh, I'd love to hear that. That's fantastic.
1: You know, Archbishop, I know some people, um, I, I, you've been such a beautiful and wonderful Archbishop for us during this time, especially keeping us mission-focused. Some might think of uh, this big change that you're, that you're doing and say, you know, why, why didn't you leave something like this big decision to your successor or somebody that's going to follow you soon here? Um, what, what would you say to that? Why, why did you discern that right now is the time to act?
0: Because uh, I think the most important gift uh, that God has given me as the Bishop of Detroit has been the experience of Synod 16. Mm. And if I didn't act, but simply uh, got into maintenance mode post-pandemic, mm. I think I'd betray the the, uh, the call of the Holy Spirit that I heard through the members of the Synod and the people of the archdiocese. Mm. I, I think it would be an injustice. I feel like I'd be letting everybody down.
1: Mm.
2: It's awesome that you've chosen to undertake this. And I'll tell you, this conversation has been really helpful for me, because when I first heard it introduced, it just, again, it seems really stretching. And I like that uh, we can focus it to be really hopeful, like a a real, uh, the next movement of the Holy Spirit in the Archdiocese of Detroit. It's exciting.
0: I'm glad for that, Mary, that (laughs) you give me a lot of encouragement, because uh, uh, I mean, for me, this is pretty bold to do sure, this. Sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the alternatives uh, just uh, were dead ends. Uh, just to keep uh, trying to deal with one problem at a time. Yes. And I didn't feel, uh, I've just gotten a lot of uh, confirmation that uh, to continue uh, the way we've been dealing with uh, our structural challenges. Uh, is not sufficient for right. the sake of the mission i mean the structures are not for their own sake mm-hmm. the structures are for the sake of the mission mm-hmm. and are, are what got clear to me is that the structures uh, need to be be shifted
2: mm-hmm. yeah and i would say even mike and i are our friends outside of this podcast and and we hang out with people that work and serve and and love our church and uh we've said so many times like bold moves are going to be needed for evangelization and to really let the holy spirit work and it's exciting that you're willing to lead those bold moves because it's not easy i don't think to to move forward with it you know so that's great is there anything else you want to share with us about families of parishes
0: all the people who are listening please pray that we continue to be faithful to the the direction the holy spirit gave us Uh, i was reading uh, to prepare for Pentecost uh, some parts of St. John Paul's encyclical on uh, the Holy Spirit, and he said that, uh, yes, the apostles came out of the cynical, but in some ways the church has always stayed there at the same time in prayer mm-hmm. because it's out of that, uh, that room mm-hmm. uh, that everything has grown, and so we, we need to, to, to stay there in prayer so that uh, the kingdom of God can grow from uh, Jerusalem to Judea uh, to southeast Michigan.
2: So, this is the part in our podcast where we take questions from people in the Archdiocese of Detroit and we present them to you, Archbishop Vigneron. We ask people to submit their questions to Eyes on Jesus podcast at AOD.org. And then each month we ask you questions um, that the faithful have asked. When you ask your question, if you have a question, make sure to include your first name, your home parish, and of course, your question. So, our first question comes from Serenity of St. Margaret Parish in St. Clair Shores. And she says, how do you feel about the current mass restrictions? Examples, the precautions um, that are there, reservations at parishes, leaving out the uh, sign of peace, things like that. What advice would you have for members of the faithful that are trying to adjust to this new normal? And do you have any sense of how long they might last? And I would assume she means things like masks too, all the new things that we're doing within our liturgies.
0: How do I feel about it? Uh, I wish we didn't have to do it. Uh, (laughs) It's awkward, and uh, it it takes a lot of effort and time that one thinks might be spent uh, elsewhere. Mm. But I also think it's an act of charity. Uh, Mm. All of these inconveniences are things uh, uh, we do to try and be uh, loving toward one another. Mm. And what advice? I think... one does one's best to comply but also I think each of us can look and and say what's the grace that's being offered in this if by God's providence uh, my 2020 is uh, shaped this way which I never expected it would be uh, what are you asking Lord what what are you offering me Uh, how do you want me to become a, a better son a better daughter in, in going through this experience. I think uh, to, uh, to to find the grace in the moment. Blessed be God and all his designs. That's Father Solanus.
2: Do you have any sense of how long we're going to have to uh, do these different uh, things, or is it we just don't know yet?
0: I don't know, uh, yeah. Mary. I, I think this is something we depend on, uh, uh, the health uh authorities, Mm -hmm. public health authorities to help us understand.
1: Well, Archbishop Ellen from St. Albert the Great in Dearborn Heights asks, many people think the Catholic Church is not a place for African-Americans or simply that there are no black Catholics, but we know that this is not true, especially in our area. What would you say our church has to offer the black Catholic community during these times and how can the church help?
0: Well, uh, about the sense of uh, African Americans not having a place in the Catholic Church in the United States, part of that is a uh, of history of being very unwelcoming, and that's something we have to repent of and uh, ask God to heal that memory. Uh, certainly, the Catholic uh, Church is a wonderful place for black people to find a home. Uh, what do we have to offer? especially what we offer is uh, communion in the Holy Eucharist, which is the greatest of of possible gifts. I would also turn the question around. Uh, St. John Paul always spoke about an exchange of gifts. So besides what uh, the established Catholic Church in any one place might offer to a black man, a black woman, a black family, uh, a very important point we need to keep in mind is what's the gift they give? Uh, Black Catholics have a tremendous gift to give to uh, somebody like me who's, uh, you know, my ethnic background is Canadian and and German, Uh, Polish Catholics, Irish Catholics. uh, We need the spiritual gifts that are part of the culture of the black church. Uh, We we should also keep that in mind. Mm. How can the church help? I think uh, through uh, letting the Holy Spirit work in us uh, so that we take those actions which are necessary uh, to uh, build a social order that conforms to God's plan, which is beautifully reflected, I think, in our founding documents. That's one of the blessings we have as an American people is that uh, the ideals of uh, equality uh, uh, cohere with uh, uh, the gospel's teaching about the dignity of every human person.
2: That's very helpful. And what a good reminder too to remind us that it's, yes, the, the church offers so much, but each person that comes to the church enhances our community, you know, so that's fantastic. And our last question comes from Christina from Our Lady of Good Counsel. And this is a great question, I think, to end on based on our conversation today. How can the laity be most supportive of this transition to families of parishes? Are there specific ways that we can step in and help fill the gap?
0: About uh, being supportive, I think one of the most important ways is to be supportive of your parish priests. Uh, they're going to have a, a, a preeminent em, a leadership role in helping to uh, navigate us uh, through this transition. And uh It can mean just so much to a priest for somebody in the parish to say, Father, uh, I'm really grateful for what you're doing. Uh, I support you. Uh, That's very, very hopeful. I also think to help everybody keep the focus on mission, uh, to acknowledge whatever uh, has to be let go, whatever is the sacrifice, the the challenge one faces in becoming uh, a, a missionary family of parishes, but to to always keep in mind the goal that uh, this is God's way to help us become better missionaries. I think those are important ways to be supportive, to to always bring it back to mission. Uh, specific ways to step in, I think. Uh, to uh, do a, a realistic assessment of what one's gift or competencies are, uh, that one, the way one can contribute to the family and to help the family grow. And uh, this question talks about filling in the gaps. I uh, always admire people who uh, see something that needs to be done and they just step in and do it. Sometimes it's as simple as setting up chairs, but uh, there's obviously more significant gaps to be filled. But the Holy Spirit, if we uh, are attuned and and take time every day to to listen, he will show us uh, what he wants us to accomplish in any one day in order to advance the kingdom.
2: Amen.
1: Well, thank you so much, Archbishop, for this conversation today. really appreciate it. Before we conclude with our uh, by, by asking you to do a blessing, uh, I wanted to ask if there's any prayer intentions that you specifically have at this time.
0: Well, please, uh, i ask everybody to pray that we are faithful to the inspiration of the Synod as we uh, move forward with this Family of Parishes initiative, uh, so that it isn't just a... Uh, uh, a uh, an administrative shift, but it really is the uh, the moment to recapture our missionary identity.
1: Absolutely, and Archbishop, would you mind closing us with a blessing?
0: Happy to do it. Lord God, bless your sons and daughters, all those who listen to this podcast. Strengthen us in the love of this our Lord Jesus, so that in all things we may spread his love to the world. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
2: Stay tuned for the next episode of Eyes on Jesus, a new episode every month. And if you enjoyed listening, you might also like the Open Door Policy Podcast with Father Steve Pullis and Danielle Center, a podcast for joyful missionary disciples and our movement to unleash the gospel. Find it on your favorite podcast app.